The following program is brought to you by Fan Bags, Chicago's official supplier of professional cornhole boards and bags. Choose from any of their officially licensed designs or have my boy Brian design a custom set using anything from a selfie to your company's logo. Visit www.fanbagscornhole.com or use the promo code BRAGS to get 10% off your entire order. That's www.fanbagscornhole.com and use the promo code BRAGS for 10% off. Step up your game with Fanbags Cornhole. Welcome back to Boilers in the Stands postgame show. I am your host, Greg Braggs Jr. Alongside me, as always, is my guy, Joe Jackson, here hanging out at Mackey Arena. Craig Bowers is underneath underneath the stands. Not in this. Joe's in the stands. Greg's under the stands talking with Matt Painter, some of the players. Juwan Howard's probably going to speak to the media as well. So we'll get some updates as far as some of the quotes coming from the press conferences. And we'll just do our breakdown of the game, give you the instant reaction as we always do here. So please hit that like button while you're hanging out. Subscribe to the channel here on YouTube if you haven't already. Uh, We appreciate you guys dropping in because uh, the Purdue Boilermakers were absolutely dominant tonight. It was one of the weirdest, most dominant games I've ever seen too, Joe. I mean, you could argue it was the sloppiest dominant game. At one point, you know, guys are falling all over the place. There was a lot of missed free throws. There was Edie, you know, missing a lot of shots, you know, like there were so many things you could point to that would have said that it would have been a closer game, but by halftime, this thing was over and it speaks to Purdue's firepower that they have all the way across the board. Braden Smith certainly came out with a ball of energy, certainly had a little flair and flair to his game, kicking the ball around, getting people open, making some really sweet passes. Lance Jones bringing the energy as per usual on both ends of the floor uh, and everybody just getting in on the action. So we're going to talk about it all here tonight. Uh, Joe, why don't you give us your instant reaction from what it was like to see inside Mackey Arena? Yeah, I mean, it was a game that you said, you kind of mentioned it's like, it didn't always feel like Purdue was should have been up 30, but at the same time they were. Um, I thought that I put out a tweet in that second half. It was just kind of felt like it was going to be another one of those. Purdue just coasts to a 15, 20 point lead throughout the entire second half. They go on another run in that half to pu- push it to 30. Um, you have 13 different players score for Purdue, and Martin and Sam or Chase Martin and Sam King were the only two not to. And I believe I know one of them for sure had a shot rim out. I can't remember what the other one, uh, the other shot was, but just all around a good effort. You had Lance Jones uh, doing his thing. It was it got pretty electric in here. He pickpocketed Llewellyn twice in the backcourt, uh, hits a couple big threes. It was it was a game that like. Purdue shoots insanely well from three, 14 for 21 from three. Um, I believe that's their best shooting performance of the year. Going to be tough for mission to over, overcome that in general. But like you couple, when you, when you look at it, Purdue didn't shoot that well from two, which is where usually where they're just so dominant and steady all, all game. Um, and that's why I kind of, almost kind of felt like it was like, how did Purdue score that many points? But at the same time they did, didn't really turn the ball over until the game was already like way out of hand, knocked down threes. It's just, it's just kind of, this was a, this was just who Purdue is, I think, tonight. Michigan, obviously, in a bad spot where they are, um, right at the bottom of the Big Ten. And when that those two things match up, games like this are going to happen. Yeah, I think the only thing missing from this game was a Zach Eady three. I was kind of yeah. waiting for it with like eight or nine minutes to go. I was like, maybe tonight is the night he pulls up for one. And, 
you know, you're not going to have too many games like this when you're playing in the big 10. And, you know, um, I thought maybe he'd run himself into one on a high ball screen, but you know, he stayed where he gets his bread and butter down low. And man, did he lay the hammer down like a Thor thunder, thunder hammer, uh, as he corralled a rebound, turned around and slammed it home. That was one of his more prodigious dunks. I think I've ever seen him throw down at Mackey arena. So, um, you know, and to your point about Michigan being in a bad place, boy, are they ever, man. I mean, I think we've seen some of these teams in early November put up a better fight than what we saw from Michigan here today. And honestly, there's going to be some Purdue fans that push back at me on this and get mad at me when I say this, but it was actually pretty pathetic. And it was sad to see, like, I, I, it's funny because when I go to a game at Northwestern or I want, you know, I've been to a lot of these court stormings that are on the road and it's, it sucks. Like you're there and the other team's just giving it to you. The other fans are giving it to you and you're just frustrated because nothing's going your way and you're trying to grind your way out to win and you lose, you know, on a game winning shot from half court by Ron Harper jr. Or whatever. And it, it just kills you. And it, it sits with you for so long. But then when you watch Purdue just beat the ever loving crap out of Michigan to the point where they're just pathetic, like it was there. And like, I even text or I, I tweeted at Greg Waddell from sleepers media. I was like, I'm not even trolling here. This is sad to see. Like we're maybe there's just something that's a part of me as much as I hate the beatdowns, or I hate not, as much as I hate the, the game winning buzzer beaters. Like that's what big 10 basketball is all about. And when you have a basketball institution like Michigan, that just looks this bad. Like, I I don't mind beating Michigan twice, but like, if they're not even going to be a good team in the conference, that's, that's not good for the big 10. So it's like now all of a sudden I've like got a soft heart. So I know I, I guarantee most Purdue fans are going to hate that. I led with this on the show, but it's the truth. Like, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, I guess I want the better competition. I didn't realize it until tonight because the Nebraska game, I was so pissed off after the game. It wasn't even funny. But now that I'm looking at it, you know, I, with Nebraska, if they were terrible, I mean, that's just, you're used to that. They're Nebraska. But yeah. with, again, looking like Nebraska of like what we're used to that, it just felt awkward. Yeah, and they don't have Doug McDaniel either this game. Uh, he's suspended for six road games, so he will be there for the next game, and that at least, like, that at least give them a purpose on offense. They just, I don't know what they were trying to do a lot of the time. It just kind of was just they're just trying to figure it out on the fly, and sometimes they hit some shots. Um, sometimes every once in a while they had some really good stuff, but for the most part, they just they. The best way for me to put it is they just had no purpose. Like they just. No. They were just out there playing some basketball. Um, and yeah, you're just, you're not going to be, you're not going to keep it even close against Purdue that way. Just not at all. No, when they did that high low in the second half where the guy, the center did a nice job of kind of like flashing mm-hmm. and turning and, and then he got the bucket in the way that their bench like was really excited for that play. They were like, yeah, we executed. We did one play. It was just like, who, who is this team? Like what, what, you know? And so I don't know. It was just one of those weird. I've just, that was just one of the weirder games, you know, to see just Michigan that pathetic. So, yeah, you know, sorry, Greg Waddell, I guess you're just going to have to eat that one for a while. Um, so yeah, Hey, I'm not saying don't enjoy the win or anything like that. I was just, you know, speaking to the awkwardness of it and yeah, I I do enjoy 
I do enjoy beating good teams too. This team is not, but you gotta, you don't want to play with your food either. If this had been a close game tonight with how bad Michigan is, I wouldn't be happy with that. So by no means am I wishing this was a closer game. They should beat the crap out of Michigan. They're not a good team this year. Uh, but it is just weird to see this program as bad as it is right now. Yeah, I was just gonna throw in uh, our our guy Craig. He before the game started, he's like, I know that like Purdue's just the better team, and it, it you know you do want Purdue to win by thirty, but at the same time, I wouldn't mind a little excitement. Uh, that didn't happen. Real quick, bring up this comment. JB said, "Who is Greg Waddell?" Brian said, "I thought that was Matt." Greg Waddell is uh, of Sleepers Media, one of the two guys on Sleepers Media, one of you know friend of, friend of the show, uh, friend of ours. Just he does good work, so definitely go check him out. Uh, but he is a Michigan fan, and that's kind of all I have to say about that at this point yeah. right now. Yeah, so. Michigan fan and a Purdue troll on Twitter, yes. and Craig and Craig keeps him honest every single day. So and now Carter um, Elliott has his co-host. Carter Elliott, um, he said, because they've been very against Lance Jones for most of the year. At the beginning of the year, Carter was like, "If Lance Jones ever scores twenty points, I will buy a Lance Jones jersey." And uh, he might, he might be getting a Lance Jones jersey. He might be getting one. Brad Prather in the chat says, "Waddell said we would crush Michigan, and he really wants Purdue to get that fairy tale ending." So, yeah, shout out to Greg. You know, he's going through it right now. Um, show them pity. Uh, don't, don't, don't throw dirt in their face. Be above that. I know fans, that's a lot to ask for. Um, and I don't always adhere to those, those <laughs> morals as well. If anybody follows me on bears Twitter, I can get pretty spicy on the timeline. So, you know, yep. sometimes I'm not practicing what I preach. So that's where we're at. Uh, the other part that we didn't lead with that I really wanted to talk about is Trey Kaufman, Wren, David Jenkins, uh, really just taking the words out of my mouth here in the chat. As soon as I was about to bring it up, Trey Kaufman Renmas was Rodman like active going, going after the boards, David Jenkins in the chat, hundred percent agree. There was a, a tenacity and an intensity with the way he was attacking the boards, attacking the loose balls. I, it, it the, the left-handed hook at one point where He's yeah. trying to get position. He says, screw it. I'm just going to go up with my left hand. And it goes in. I like. I had to rewind it to make sure he did it with his left hand because I was going to text you guys like, did I just see that? But I had to rewind yeah. it to make sure that I wasn't like going cross-eyed. And that like Trey Kaufman, Ren, like he's continued to impress me. He's continued to put my foot in my mouth as I so often do here on this show as somebody that was – nervous and skeptical of his role in the starting lineup early in the season. First few games didn't really see how the fit was going to work. Well, I'm seeing it now. Trey Kaufman Wren is, is really making this a formidable, you know, starting five. I mean, we all know across the board, it doesn't really matter who's starting. We've talked about that plenty of times here on the show, but couldn't have been more impressed with Trey Kaufman Wren. Once again, here tonight, he continues to show all the hype that he had coming into the season. Yeah, I think it's just showing the the value of patience and what Painter believes in. And there's maybe he, I think TKR probably got a little bit overhyped for coming into the season. And I think that hurt him compared to what fans were expecting, like a 15 point per game, eight rebound a game guy, like a, a legit star. Um, and he isn't quite that. But at the same time, I think we're starting to see like there is a reason Painter started TKR at the four coming into the summer. Um, and, and we're starting to see that he's starting to become much, much more comfortable. He had he didn't I don't think he got credited for an assist today, but um, 
he's just becoming so much more comfortable with the high low passing getting the ball to ed that's a huge thing you hit you know gillis is great at it of uh, you catch it at the elbow or top of the key fire it down to ed and now since you're the other big the their other big is now out of the lane um just get ed good looks like he he's just becoming so much more comfortable on that end and then defensively i think this is a good matchup for him uh their best player olivia nakamwa has seven points three assists uh in 25 minutes of play like TKR was part of that. Also, Gillis as well. And we'll talk about him in a minute. But uh, TKR is just comfortable. He's and he, and he understands now that I think his role is being sort of like Rodman, I guess. I, I think that's obviously an exaggeration. But being a guy that just has to be active, has to be on the glass. Um, he had three blocks. I think he was really good rotating more from the weak side, uh, just kind of helping protect the rim. If he can kind of do that, especially when when it's TKR and first in the in the um, on the floor together and not Edie, that's going to be big. Like I think he just made a lot of the the hustle plays that he needs to to be on the floor. And and when that's happening, now he can get going offensively. Um, the lefty hook, obviously, there's there's no words that really need to be said. That was just that was just pretty, and uh, that's you know. I don't know how much he'll have to go to that this year, but next year when we do look ahead, that's going to be something he's going to have to have. Teams are going to focus in on him more in the post, and they know that they want to. He wants to get to his right hand. He's going to have to have stuff like that lefty hook. But just good to see. Um, like I think Painter has two legit options at the four and TKR and Gillis. Some games it's going to be TKR. Some games it's going to be Gillis. Good options to have. No question about it. Um, Gillis is really starting to settle in you know when he tip puts goes up for a shot you feel good about it going down so yep. you know at last year 50 from three exactly so that's why it feels that way like you're the you're the numbers guy so you're looking at it when it goes up and you know the number in your head and for me it's the vibe it's the you know yep. that's that's how i watch the game and and i'm feeling comp more and more confident when he's out on the floor uh i i'm hoping caleb first can find his way at some point because it does feel like he's struggling uh today yeah. when he he made that move and just completely whiffed on the shot like it's just sometimes i just with caleb i just like I, he's such a um he's just i don't want to say erratic but like just the way he moves is so sporadic like he's he's moving so fast and yeah. he's got to get his feet under him you know, and, and play with a little more, um, stature. I don't even know how to explain it, but it just feels like he's falling all over the place. And, and when he's fighting for rebounds and loose balls, like that's, you, you can have that and you can be a real menace to the other, the opposing team. But when he's trying to score, it just feels like he can't get the ground underneath his feet. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because like, I think especially today, first did a lot of the little things. He really did. He just like for he always lack does. Of, lack, lack of a better word, he just has the yips. Like he really does. He just can't finish around the rim this season. Um, and it doesn't seem like he has he has a ton of confidence in his game down there. I mean, he had yeah, six rebounds and three assists, according to Shan Cox. Like he does other stuff. He's pretty good defensively. He's just like I don't know what it is offensively. He's he gets some good looks and he's athletic and six eleven and long and like it just doesn't make sense that he he can't convert. Um, I guess the the hands need some work, and it's tough because like if he was just a little bit more consistent there, he would be a legit third option at that four spot or as a, as a big, right? Um, and I think Painter probably has a hard time playing with him right now just because there's like just such a lack of of his ability to finish at the rim. Um, he's shown in the past he can do it. 
hopefully he comes back. I'm hoping again, just this is more looking to next year. Like I think this year he might have a little bit of the like looking over his shoulder and he because he knows that like you know he knows that he, his minutes are limited. Uh, making a mistake can get him pulled pretty instantly. Maybe that works into it a little bit. Obviously, that's all just speculating on a player that we have no clue. But um, yeah, just just it's just weird. I got no other words other than it's just it's just weird to see. Yeah, I think Nobles found the word that I was having trouble finding. Frantic. It feels yeah. frantic. You know, like when I said with Gillis, like I'm feeling confident. Like when he goes up for a shot, I I can feel his confidence. And with 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 first, it just fe- it, it feel you can feel that franticness from him. And I'm sure he's frustrated. Like you know, I wants to have better games and stuff. And and it, and it eventually will come to him. But like. You know, when I watch, because I, I watched him a few times in high school coming out, and then when he first came as a freshman, it felt like he was much, he would, he played at a more methodical pace in a, in a place of strength, you know, and, and obviously when you're going up against, you know, high school guys that might not have the same level of competition, it's different, but, you know, it's just like, I just feel like he needs to play to his size. You know, sometimes it feels like he shrinks a little bit. Uh, I'm hoping everything I'm saying is making sense because this is just how my basketball brain works when I watch the game. Like, you know, I feel like he could, his stature, he could play bigger than, than how he does. He is a big guy. No, I think, yeah, I think that's totally fair. Uh, I don't, I don't have too much to add on that. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we'll continue to move it around the horn here again. I mean, Purdue just completely dominant here today. They won 99 to 67. They don't get the hundred burger. They don't get the free chicken sandwiches. Uh, that whole thing's certainly taken on a life of its own. I mean, they're talking about it on the Peacock broadcast. They've got like a breakdown of how many times they've gotten it and <laughs> what's on the line and Mackey arena. Certainly. I mean, you talk about the fans in the stands like we do here on the show. That was the loudest moment here tonight. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's, it's fun. That's it's all it is. It's just fun. Um, it gets loud. Uh, Lance Jones when he ripped the guy, that got really loud too. Um, but yeah, I, I I got nothing else really there. Yeah. Um, and you know, icy Mike's giving it giving it to me in the chat about focusing on first deficiencies. We don't have to continue. I'm not focusing on them. I, w- I want all the players on the team to play great. Yes. We understand the team has all of it covered. It's not like f- we need first to be a 20 points per game scorer. Um, you know, I'm not asking for that. I'm just looking at each player individually and I'm sure Caleb wants to play better offensively than he has. I'm not saying what he's doing on the team isn't valuable. He, like I said, he's a great role player who is scrappy, gets after boards, gets after loose balls, and he had some assists here tonight. But offensively, he's you know hasn't you know had some great games, especially here since we've started Big Ten play. I'm sure he'd like to as well. So um, I'm not asking for him to score 20 points or anything like that. I just you know looking at the yeah. game and, and, and hoping better for him. Cause I know that's what he would want, Mike. Uh, so, you know, you yeah. guys just calm down in the chat. We're going to throw plenty of rose petals at the team and we'll get into the stats of the game here. As we always do Purdue shoots a red hot 52% from the field on 34 of 66 shooting Michigan. 
ice cold 34% from the field on 23 of 68 shooting 67% from the three point arc. I mean, that's just insane. 14 of 21 from the three point stripe for Purdue nine of 29 for Michigan at a 31% clip from the three point arc uh, Purdue surprisingly 65% from the free throw line uh, 17 to 26 from the line. Michigan goes 80% from the line at 12 of 15. So Purdue outshoots them, uh, but at a lower percentage, seven turnovers apiece for both teams, 10 points off of those turnovers, Purdue seven for Michigan, 46 total rebounds, 32 defensively, 14 offensively for Purdue, 37 rebounds for Michigan, 23 defensively, 14 for the Wolverines, 34 bench points uh, for Purdue, 21 for Michigan, 10 fast break points, only two for Michigan, four blocks for Purdue, two for Michigan, five steals for Purdue, two for Michigan, 24 assists for Purdue, and 16 for Michigan. Purdue led for 38 minutes and 37 seconds, um, you know, of this game. So, you know, a completely dominant effort here tonight. 24 assists on seven turnovers. We talked a little bit about it here at the start, but obviously that's something that stands out to me. What stands out to you, Joe? Um, Three-point shooting because, duh, 14 to 21 is just absurd three-point shooting. Uh, One, two, three, four, five, seven different players hit a three, which is crazy. Um, turnovers is also is the other thing seven turnovers none in the first half and honestly this like i'm not worried about the second half turnovers one bit um i believe two of them came in transition of just it, it's it's those plays where you're up 35 and mackie could go like actually blow the roof off so you're trying to throw a lob or make a play like two of them there and then three or four in garbage time whatever uh that, that's that's a big thing though purdue did not have a turnover in the first half um that's just when they take care, we say all along, and when they take care of the ball, good things are going to happen. It happened. Uh, that's how, you know, this, we're going to look at the first half specifically for right now because that's just, that was the more interesting part. Uh, that's how you put up 49 points while shooting less than 50%. You shoot insane from three and you don't turn the ball over. Um, it it ba- balances out. Just really, really good stuff from there. Um, those are those are probably the two things that stand out for, for me overall. Also, Purdue averaged 1.46 points per possession. Um, I will double check that really quick, but that has to be one of the most efficient games all season. And it comes against a Big Ten team. Yeah, that was that was their most that was their most efficient offensive game of the entire season. And that's a game in which Edie struggled to shoot from the floor, and you you played the backups for the final what seven eight minutes. Um, just just really really good stuff from Purdue in general overall. Uh, I don't have too much else on the stats in particular. I guess we can, if you don't have anything on stats, I'll just jump into Jones uh, because I think that's where we have to start, right? Is Lance yep. Jones. 24, yeah, 24 points, uh, one assist, five and nine from three, had two steals, I believe. Yep. Uh, yeah, two, three steals. Two of them just where he pickpocketed in the backcourt, uh, got, got Purdue or got Mackey on its feet. Like these are the type of games that, when I talk about the Lance Jones experience, like it is not always negative. Like this is also a part of the Lance Jones experience of you're going to get games where yep. he's just like, he just goes absurd. He has all the confidence. He took his time shooting. He really didn't care if there was defenders there at all. Uh, this is, this is the type of game that Lance Jones can just absolutely have it. And any game um, it's fun that it comes against Michigan and, and 
like I just don't know what to say. Like he just we we mentioned it all year long, but he just brings such a different energy to this team, to the starting lineup defensively. He has these games, <clears throat> these games offensively. He can be aggressive getting to the rim, although he wasn't crazy efficient from two today. Uh, just just really, really good stuff from Lance. Like uh, also, oh, the other thing with his defense is, is I wanted to call out uh, and Brain Smith, I thought, did a good job, too. That first 12 minutes, especially of the first half, Lance and Braden were locking up. Lance, especially, he was. I, I know that they don't have Doug McDaniel, and and they're all like, I understand all that, but it was still just their guards couldn't move. Like yep. their guards couldn't do a single thing against Lance Jones, and uh, it was just, it was just really good to see him have this type of game in Mackey, a place that he loves. Like he was, Lance was destined to be a boilermaker. He just, he just has that vibe. No, it's no question. I, I just saw um, uh, Dance Jones. Tarek, oh, I like that. Tarek Kamel. Uh, I don't know if that's been said before. If if Tariq just came up with that, but that's good. That's really yeah, that good. That is so, Dance uh, Jones. State state your claim in the chat if that is if you made that up or if you found it. And you better be honest with me, because we might be using that on boilers in the stands on our Twitter account, and we'll we'll credit you for sure. Uh, that because that's good. I mean, he keeps doing the dance. You know. Uh, um, I guess it's from an Instagram post. Somebody's saying, uh, and then, but now Tariq is saying he came up with it. We'll just stay tuned for those updates. Uh, <laughs> I don't, all right. We'll find out here in a little bit, regardless, great nickname. Uh, cause he does the dance, uh, coming out of halftime every time. Uh, what do they call it? The sandstorm. Yeah. Is that what they call it? I mean, yeah. I'm, you're the kid here. I'm the old man. You're, yeah, you're no, the one yeah, that. Yeah, yeah is recently removed from the paint crew. So you got to help True. me out in this whole thing. No, uh, you got it. <laughs> All right. So he is a hundred percent saying he came up with it. Patty ice is saying, I believe you Tariq. So we are rolling with this dance Jones from our boilers in the stands chat. We will credit you uh, Tariq Kamel coming up with a fantastic nickname uh, for a guy that really brings a lot of energy and has quickly become a fan favorite here. And Purdue and, and and I put on the on our on our Twitter timeline. Make sure you follow us at Boilers in Stands. Uh, you know, he he is their X factor. He's their X factor on both sides of the court. You know that that that's that's it's like to me when you want to talk about what they could do here later in the year, like Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, Zach Eady. They're all a year older from what they were last year. They're all ready for this fight. And now you add in a guy who is a difference maker on both ends of the court, who you could argue has as big an impact as Braden Smith or Zach Eady at times, you know, defensively he's in, he's in the guards. And yeah. when you talk about what he does offensively and his fearlessness to attack the rim, shoot the threes, he is their X factor. There's no question about it. So dance Jones is certainly somebody to get excited about if you're a Purdue Boilermakers fan. He's he's everything this team needs. All the energy, all the swagger, just just the ability. Like if there comes a game later in the season where it's like Purdue looks shaky, it's who who wants to shoot, who wants to get the ball, uh, whether it goes in or not, I'm confident Lance Jones will let that thing fly. And Purdue kind of needs it. He's elite. He's he's been really really good defensively. Like I don't know. I don't know if he'll end up making an all defense team or not just because there's, there's a lot of good bigs, especially in the big 10, but he has a legitimate case to make the all defense team in the big 10. 
Yeah, uh, it's exciting. So let's move it around the horn here yep. and continue to uh, spotlight some of these players that had a big night. Uh, you know, I don't know which way you want to go with this, but I Braden. mean, I guess we, we can go to Braden. 11 points on 4 of 4 shooting, uh, one free throw, you know, 1 of 1 from the free throw stripe. Uh, six, from three. One, one from three. One of one from three. Two of two from free throw. Oh, yeah, because I'm blind. Uh, seven assists, seven rebounds, ten assists. I am butchering this. You need to do this next time because I clearly am having issues reading. It's late. Come on. Ten assists, seven rebounds, only two turnovers, uh, you know, in 26 minutes of action. So doesn't get the triple-double but certainly uh, had a big night here tonight. And, and like we were saying from the top, really came out the gates with a ton of energy and uh, yeah. had a lot of flair to his game. Just, I think, I think you could tell they had a good game plan because you could see the confidence in how they were executing early on, almost like they knew that they were going to manhandle this team. Yeah, and Brayden was just, he was in total control the, the entire game. Um, no turnovers in the first half, and he had, what was his first half stats? Nine points, three rebounds, six assists, zero turnovers at half. Like, it, literally any pass he wanted to make, he made. Cross-court skip to the corner, boom, on the money. In the yep. fast break, dump off, yes. In the fast break, dump off Lance Jones, three, sure. Edie in the post, high low. Like, you could just go on and on. He, like, every single every single type of pass, every single type of play you want to see from Braden, he had, uh, you, you saw him just command the defense in the pick and roll a couple of, you know, the one time he, he drives to the short corner, does like two pump fakes, draws the foul. Um, I, I think it was good to see him hit his three. It was good to see him go three or three overall or four or four overall uh, one of one from three. Like I do think he was a little hesitant to shoot as, as he's been in the shooting slump. That is something I will be watching going forward. But at the same time, I think he also knew he could just make good plays whenever he wanted. And so he maybe he didn't quite have to force the threes, force the perimeter shots. Uh, just, just man, it, it's it's so fun watching Braden Smith play. Like his ability to see the floor at all times and watch I I watch him in transition. Like when Purdue kind of has a transition transition play and he's at the opposing free throw line. There's a lot of times you can just be like, yeah, Brayden Smith's going to go to this guy. Like he just he he knows 75 feet away from the rim where he needs to go with the ball. It's it's unreal to watch. Yeah, no, for, it, it's exciting uh, knowing the evolution. You get in trouble here, Joe. Okay, not getting in trouble, or are you getting in trouble? All right, he's good. He's good. Uh, so yeah, it. it, it I think with this team, we've talked about plenty of times how complete they look and 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 mature from last year. You know, when you talk about Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, you know, in their sophomore year, they you can see they've been through this. And and one of the questions we had early on when they came out the gates hot, just like they did last year, was like, well, they hit a wall at some point last year. Well, we're halfway through now the 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 meat and potatoes of the Big Ten schedule and. They've had a couple tough road games, you know, where they, you know, took care of business and in IU and Iowa and, and, you know, Iowa made it a little close there at the end, but really they were in control of that game pretty much all the way through. And now they come home and, and just completely demolish a team that, you know, they should, you know, they, they didn't play with their food here tonight. And that shows a level of maturity. Like they were saying at halftime on the Peacock uh, halftime show with Jordan Carnett. 
you know, like the fact that they were up by 20 and they had really played pretty sloppy. They had missed free throws. Zach Eady had only had six points. Like they weren't really playing that great, but they just had so much firepower. Lance Jones, Mason Gillis, you know, uh, the, the end, the end of half three by Fletcher lawyer. The, that was one of the nicest moves I've seen him put on a guy one-on-one and he buried it right in his face. So, you know, everybody was getting in on the action and it just goes to show you their margin of error is much bigger than it was last year. Yes. I realized I was on mute, but I was, uh, I, I was agreeing with what you were saying for a lot. It just, this team can beat you in multiple ways. I think that starts with Brayden, even if he is boring, he can still do, do other stuff. And I don't know if Craig's by you, but if he wants to hop on, he's more than welcome, obviously. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 logging on. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. T- tell him I said no, that he can't hop on. I think he would appreciate that. No, we have to I'm get kidding. Craig I'm on. We, we've yeah. got to hear what he said from the presser, and somebody's got to help carry the weight here because I know Joe Joe's back's got to be killing him from uh, carrying me here for the first 35 minutes of this show. So make sure you hit the like button for Joe while he goes to get back surgery tomorrow. And, uh, you know, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing our yep. best here to try to keep you guys entertained and 2k oh, subs. So we appreciate that. Yeah. 2000 Everybody. subs here since the last time you guys heard from us. Uh, so we appreciate all of your support as we continue to grow this thing and build this community out. So Craig Bowers will be joining us here shortly Uh, But before he does, you know, as far as minute rotations in a game like this may not be as, um, you know, something that you're going to key in on, you know, in in a closer, you know, matchup, but anything that stood out to you in particular? Yeah, I think the, you know, the second half is kind of a wash. I don't think there's anything to take away from that. Um, Morton was Morton was the first sub. Sometimes, you know, it's been kind of oscillating between Morton and Heidi. I think the only other thing to note is Brainsmith gets those last two minutes of rest at the end of the first half. That was a big thing after the last game was, you know, how does Brayden get more rest? Um, even the first three minutes, that the three minute rest there, like that two minute rest at the end might have came just because Purdue was up so much anyways. But, um, you know, we, we mentioned like, hey, Brain might need more minutes. I've been like, hey, Brayden's so important to the offense. I understand that Painter might not always want to, but at the same time, you know, Painter, Matt Painter's a pretty smart guy, I would say. Um, I think he also understands that like Brayden just can't be rolled out for 39 minutes every single game if they want the legs to stay. Uh, nothing else too much really for me here. Um, I, you know, pretty standard game, I would say for the most part. Purdue goes up big. Last, you know, 10 minutes is, is pretty much just a wash at that point then. Um, but we are joined by our guy Craig Bowers uh, from the Pressers. Craig, what uh, any, anything interesting stand out to you from the pressers from you know Jawan or, or any of the Purdue players? Well, who did, was who was the who were the players for Purdue? Did Jawan Howard start crying? Uh, Jawan Howard was not at the press conference. He apparently stepped outside the locker room and did a press conference with the uh, Michigan reporters, uh, but did not actually come into the press conference room. And that's that's happened every once in a while. Um, I wouldn't say it's like completely unheard of. So it certainly happened before when I've been down there, but no, he, he did not join us in terms of players. It was Lance Jones, Zach Eady and Braden Smith. And then obviously we heard from coach, coach Pater too. Um, you know, one of the big things, obviously turnovers was a, was a highlight of this game. The fact that it was 1159 into the game before we had our first turnover, 
Um, Braden joked that he had to screw that up and get the first turnover by throwing it into the backcourt. But obviously, um, fantastic statistically from a turnover standpoint. And one of the points that that Painter made in regards to that was just how vital it is to take care of the ball because of the rebounding advantage that this team almost always had. He got asked if this was the best rebounding team that that Purdue's ever had or that he's had as a coach. And he said, yes, just because of the depth they have in rebounding when Gillis comes in, when first comes in, what TKR is doing this year, um, crashing the boards on the, on the other side of Edie there. And when you're going to have that many advantages, that many chances to get offensive re- rebounds and to get putbacks, sometimes you just got to be able to get shots up on the glass, right? Um, so if you can limit turnovers to an extremely low amount, you're going to get more of those chances for putbacks on offensive rebounds. And when you have that big of an advantage, it's so, so vital. Um, so that was one of the big things that he talked about, I guess. Um, you know, the players really hit on the fact just how much fun they have cheering on the walk-ons that come in there at the end. Uh, you know, the Brian Waddell dunk, the Carson Barrett three. Um, those guys put in work. And like Zach said, they they probably have, you know, the best kind of practice group that they play against uh, of any team in the country. Um, was one of the things that he was mentioning. So when those guys get their chance to come in and have a little bit of shine, um, they love it as much as, as those players do that are actually out there on the court. Yeah, uh, yeah. Brian Waddell had a huge throwdown at the end of the game, big time throwdown, you know, so not your typical, you know, um, and, you know, victory cigar uh, lineup that you'll see for some teams rolling out there when Purdue's up by 30 points here on Michigan. I, I took some heat, Craig, early in the show, and I thought I'd share it with you uh, because I, I tweeted at Greg Waddell that it was like, I'm not even trolling here, but it's honestly sad to see how bad Michigan is. Like that That's how pathetic they look tonight. And like I've had so many games here in the last few years where Purdue's lost you know, on a buzzer beater and the, the other team storms the court and we've had frustrating losses, you know, close games. We, we, we know all the heartache, but all of a sudden it was just like one of those role reversals where you're not, I mean, I've seen Purdue beat the crap out of a team, but Michigan, like I, it would just felt so bizarre to watch that. Like, I don't know. It just felt pathetic. And I, there was a part of me that honestly felt sorry for them and was like, you know, and I, and I know there's rivalry. I'm not trying to say like, but it's just, there was just something about it that was like, man, this, this isn't right. <laughs> like, What's going on here? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, Michigan's been bad for, for most of the season. And then when Doug can't travel with the team, uh, they're going to be even worse because he's, you know, he's as vital to Michigan as Jameer Young is to Maryland or Tyson Walker is to Michigan State from a scoring standpoint. But um, I, I've had them at the bottom of my Big Ten rankings for a couple of weeks now in terms of power rankings. And really, they started the season off decent. It, it's weird because in my power rankings, like the bottom four or five teams, uh, Michigan's the only one that has two quad one wins and maybe the only one that has any quad one wins. But they've just they took a turn for the worse uh in a really really bad way and it's been ugly ugly basketball since 100 percent. and and for clarity for everybody that's joined us here a little later greg waddell is a podcaster on sleepers media he's been on our show a few times joe and craig have been on their show they cover all of the big 10 and all of college basketball him and carter elliott do a fantastic job they're very entertaining and they've been really great with us here the last few years so Make sure you follow. Not related to Brian Waddell, by the way. Not related to Brian Waddell. 
Sports from Sleepers Media. They do a great job, so make sure yeah. you hit them up. Uh, and Craig is always keeping them honest on Twitter, uh, and that's you know doing the Lord's work. So we appreciate that, Craig. That's that's a good thing. We got to keep everybody honest. I'm doing yeah. it on Bears Twitter, and that's a full time job, uh, and it's not fun at all. So I, off topic, <laughs> I respect your your grind of making everything about bears um so i see yeah. your tweets sometimes pop up and, i and can somehow make this game. if you want i can somehow I make this game here tonight and spin cycle it into how what the bears are going to do at quarterback i swear to I, god i can do it i would it's, love to see that after some, the show somebody at the somebody at the post game press conference when it was done asked me if i was team justin or team caleb and i said what are you talking about and they said the Bears. Your guy covers the Bears. Don't you tune into all that? And I say, no, I tune that out as much as I can. Other than the fact that I hop onto a random Bears space at like 1230 at night sometimes when Braggs is on there just because I'm bored. And that is some of the wildest shit you've ever listened to in your life. Yeah. Gets, uh, calling calling those Bears wild. spaces is giving it uh, too much credit. That's not what we're doing in there for the most part. So, uh, but yes, we do argue about the quarterback ad nauseum and it's, it's a very toxic group. If you think Purdue fans are toxic at times, I would love to introduce you to Bears Twitter right now. They are not a fun bunch as we try to figure out what the direction is going to be for that football team. But, we're not talking about the bears. That's exactly why I come on this show to get away from that life for five minutes and talk about these Purdue Boilermakers. So we were kicking around the horn, Craig. We've already talked about Lance Jones and Braden Smith, and we hadn't really covered any of the other players. If you wanted to touch on either one of those guys before we went around to some others, uh, we'll try to keep this show to an hour or you guys are welcome to do it as long as you want. But, um, you know, um, if there's something you want to talk about with Lance Jones and Braden Smith before we move on to some of the other players, the floor is yours. I, I mean, they played really good ball and obviously, and, and, you know, one of the things that painter talked about, he, he said, you know, sometimes you look at a stat sheet and a guy put up 16 shots or 14 shots, whatever Lance put up. And, and you think, man, he really, he really forced the issue. Um, and one of the things that he talked about was how Lance got those shots organically tonight. Um, he said there was only one shot in the entire game that he questioned a little bit about whether Lance should have taken it. He said everything else uh, was in the flow of the offense or when Lance got a switch up top so that he had a mismatch and could take that guy to the rim. Even when it didn't work out, Painter was fine with him doing it because that that's what he wants him to do when he gets that mismatch. So, um, you know, from that standpoint, just from a decision-making standpoint, he played a really good game regardless of the points that he scored. It was great to see him, you know, kind of – this was his role that he played always at Southern Illinois, right? Like, he, him and Domask were the primary scorers there. So, uh, this was his role. And he hasn't really had that night where he's got to be, like, the primary scoring guy out there. And, and he kind of got to fall back into that role. But he did it within the flow of the offense. So, it, it was nice to see him kind of have that night. I wouldn't expect it become the norm by any means um but it was good for tonight and i think especially defensively um you know somebody asked lance a question about what was more impressive to him that his total points or the three steals and he very quickly answered the three steals uh that he was proud of his defensive effort painter mentioned that the the first time he picked llewellyn's pocket he thought really gave the team a big burst and then obviously Braden almost hits a triple double and he was just a master, uh, you know, playing with a yo-yo on a string out there all night. 
And I think Joe said you guys already kind of talked about TKR right at the beginning too. Yeah, yeah he bit. was the person for me. That's why I texted you about the left-handed hook. Like not just the the yeah. left-handed hook was extremely impressive, but his tenacity on the boards, um, just his activity is just, he's always kind of been like, it just seems like even more aggressive than I've ever seen him tonight than I've seen him before. It seems like every game he's getting more and more intense with his play. Yeah. For me, it, the re for me, the scoring's always been there for him. For, for me, it's his improvement on defensively he finishes with three blocks tonight, but just in terms of his lateral movement and being able to cover people in space without fouling, uh, because last year his, his foul numbers were high and he'd always get in early foul trouble and painter couldn't really give him minutes sometimes when he wanted to, uh, because he would rack up fouls quickly and he's just improved so much in terms of, of his ability to guard people in the post without fouling in terms of step out to that three-point line and, and cover people in space. And then coming over on weak side help. And, um, you know, he comes over. Um, I think Reed was taking ED once and kind of had him beat. And and TKR came over and swats him from behind. Maybe did that twice in the game, a similar situation. So um, that that's the biggest area of improvement for me. I always thought <clears throat> if he could improve defensively and and improve, improve his aggression and just reading angles on rebounds uh, that he was going to get more minutes because he was our second best post scoring option. And I think those things have allowed him to show out offensively. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Um, all right. So let's kick it around. I don't know where you guys want to take this. We've talked about Lance TKR, Braden Smith. So I'll let you guys kind of decide where you want to take this next. I mean, Mason Gillis, you know, has eight points on three of three shooting. I know I just said, I'll let you guys decide. And then I just decided one of one from the three point line, uh, f five of eight from the free throw stripe, uh, you know, one assist. So, I mean, am I reading this right? He did not register a rebound or I'm not reading this right. As per usual, Joe, I am not to do this anymore. You are doing this because if I continue to butcher this, people are going to get really sick of this charade of me attempting to read this statue. You go ahead, Joe, you've got the young eyes. Who you're saying Mason Gillis, talking about Mason Gillis. and I started, yeah. you know, cause they're all, the, the the lines are so close to each other and I get lost on which line I'm reading. I can't, I just can't do this. I am, yeah, I am eight points, worthless. three rebounds, two assists. <laughs> there we go. Yes. Thank you, Joe. Jesus. Yeah. Christ. Just a, a, a solid, I think like that's, that's the type of game you want for Mason Gillis. Uh, three or three from the field, one of one from three. Good, uh, good rebounding. I think, it wasn't the greatest matchup when they when Michigan was double big and he was on Nakamwa. I think that's when you saw Nakamwa get maybe four of his points, um, only seven points. So Mason, like Mason Gillis and TKR, just played better than than Michigan's four. Um, and you know in Nakamwa and Nakamwa's a really good player. So that happening going to be good. Um, I don't have too much more on on Gillis though, and it really, yeah, I, I don't I don't have too much more on Gillis. Like just that's who he is. That's just that's what Mason Gillis does for Purdue this year. All right. All right. Well, we'll just continue uh -oh. to kick it around their horn. Uh, Craig, was there anybody you wanted to highlight uh, on tonight's play? Um, You know, I, I think we have to at least give a nod to Colvin. Uh, we know he can go on a heater anytime he comes into the game. And <clears throat> actually, when he came into the game, I looked over at, at Joe and I said, we might still hit 100 if Colvin is on one of his nights where he's going to just be on from outside. 
because uh, yep. he can yep. put up 12 points in two or three minutes. And he, and he was on one, you know, uh, he goes out there, he shoots uh, three or four overall, three or three from three. And I think seven minutes total. So he scores nine points in seven minutes. Um, just kind of quickly racked up some points there. And, you know, he, Miles is going to get minutes sometimes. Um, I don't know when it'll be, uh, but somewhere along the line, there's a pretty good chance. Um, it, it's been a while since we've had a night where at least two out of the three guards aren't going from a scoring point. But somewhere along the way, it's going to happen. Um, and, and it won't surprise me at all if Miles comes in and plays 15 minutes sometime along the way, whenever that does happen. So I oh, go ahead, Joe. I apologize. All I, all I wanted to add is uh, I think it's good because Colvin is, you know, kind of getting squeezed out of the rotation. Even if it is against, you know, not great competition, he is just ready to come in and fire away and still make shots. Like, I think that's just something to note um, going forward. Because that's, you know, if he's on the floor, that's that's why. He is on the floor to shoot the ball and maybe dunk in transition um, and, and just have that energy. So there's a video making the rounds on Twitter, and we're certainly not going to make our platform a thing to um, try to start drama. But, you know, someone in our chat, you know, JB, there's fans acknowledging there was some moments. There was a moment in the game where he looked pissed off. You know, um, and, and the cameras caught him saying something. It's hard to, you, you can't say for certain what he says, uh, but there's people saying that he's saying, pass me the fucking ball. And, you know, so I, I texted you the clip, but, you know, I, I don't really, I, I'm kind of uncomfortable, like where to take this. Fans are talking about it. I don't want to overdo it as far as the, you know, over dramatizing it for what it is. I mean, he's a competitive guy. I'm sure he wants to play more. Uh, but as far as body language, cause everybody kind of becomes body language experts in these moments, you know, um, his body language, you, you guys are there at the stadium. You guys are, you know, around, you know, these guys after the game, you know, are you guys noticing anything with miles that would show you that he's not happy with what's going on this year with his role? I mean, my biggest take is, I, I I mean, you want that guy to be mad that you want him to want minutes. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, nobody's sitting over there not wanting minutes. Uh, he's a really good player and he wants to play. And, you know, we shoot, we see stuff get heated in football on the sidelines all the time. We see, look at Tom Izzo and his players. Stuff gets heated sometimes. People are going to say stuff and he's not saying stuff to anybody else. I mean, he said something to Lance there, but. He was wide open and Lance drove it to the rim and he was on a heater and he wanted the ball. Big deal. Go away. Right. You know, like well, and, and he, went to, how he, many went to bench. he went to the bench. He gave everybody a high five. He was cheering yep. for the walk-ons when they scored. Like I, I, I get that he appeared visibly upset on the bench. And you know, when he, when he went to the bench and that he appeared upset when he wanted the ball, I also don't think it's a damn breaking type of moment. It's just a guy who who wants to put up the ball and who wants some minutes, and he's going to keep working for it and won't be surprised at all if somewhere along the line before it's over this year that we're going to need him and he's going to get some of those minutes. Well, and to your point, Painter said that more than a few times in post-game pressers. I want guys to be pissed off if their role isn't what they want it to be. He's like, I'd be more worried if they were okay with it. And to you know, And then to the other point of, he came in ready. He went three or four. So that shows you that he's staying locked in. 
So, you know, fans are going to try to look through things and everybody's always looking ahead to how the roster is going to fill out next year. But we're worried about this year at the end of the day. And, um, you know, he's staying, you know, locked into what he wants to do and, and he wants more for himself, just like every player on this team does. Uh, so that's kind of how I read it. But at the end of the day, that is something we're going to talk about. Fans are talking about it. And it's something that you saw visibly on the telecast and on the court if you were at the game. And so, you know, we're going to talk about those things. We're also not going to gas it up for more than what it is here. That's, you know, at the end of the day, we're covering this team. Uh, so we got to try to be fair to our evaluations, but we also can, um, you know, be modest in our approach. Yeah, I, the only thing I want to add is there's a lot of comments saying that Colvin's going to transfer. Obviously, we have no clue, but like in my head, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, his, you know, dad played here. His sister is currently here at playing volleyball. Like, and and it's, if this was his junior year or sophomore year, sure. Um, it's his freshman year. He's on the number two team in the country, number two AP poll, probably the best team in the country. Um, legit, you know, tournament aspirations. A, a really good wing and guard group. Like I think Colvin can also understand context and understand that like he thinks he should get more minutes. And that, like Craig said, that's a good thing. Um, I, I think he can also understand that like, Hey, next year there's going to be more minutes up for grabs. I, I just don't see how he transfers. Yeah. 100%. yeah and there's still a really good chance that he starts next year. Like when you look yeah. at what the rotation might be next year, it's basically going to between be between him and cam at the three spot. And that team next year with Zach gone is likely going to need more scoring punch from the outside. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I, I can't see him sitting there and not realizing that there's a really good chance that he may start. And that even if he doesn't start, he's probably going to get 20 plus minutes a game next year. So I, yep. I can't see that. We obviously don't know. Um, but time will tell. Time will tell. And you know, that's what we do here. We, we look at the, the past, present, and future, we cover it all, but we're locked into uh, dreams of March success and not March madness. So uh, we'll see what yeah. happens this year, first and foremost. Uh, and that'll be, you know, the thing that we talk about the most here on Boilers in the Stands post game show. So make sure you hit the like button, as we've mentioned before. Appreciate you guys hanging out. If you haven't already, please subscribe. I don't know if there's anybody else in particular you guys want to highlight. We need to at least uh, mention Zach Eady. Uh, yep. I, I, like, I don't think we, we did it. About him. No, <laughs> no, uh, we did 16, it. What are you guys points. doing? Well, I, I missed the first 30 minutes of the show and you don't even talk about well, the national player. He's of the only year. the national player of the year. Well, I mean, we've been here an hour. What do you expect? We were going to get him in the second hour of the show. Uh, 16 points, 10 rebounds and a block. JB goes, do we need to talk about Edie only getting 16? And then I think he later said that, uh, it's, it's because painter warmed down. Um, Zach Eady just had three straight 30-point double-doubles. I think he's fine. I think Terrace Reed did it, honestly. Terrace Reed might have done the best job all season one-on-one -on -one against Edie. Like, uh, and yeah. Edie still had 16 points and 10 rebounds. Like, yeah, he was doing a good job of pushing him out. Yeah, he did a really good job pushing him out, just making life tough. Um, Edie still almost shoots 50%. He has a double-double in 26 minutes, like, he just missed a. He he took. He had a few tougher shots than usual, and if if other people can really start replicating that, then I think it's more of a concern. But just one of those games that that Edie has still. It's just it's funny. I think it's funny that and it's it is true, right? But sixteen points, ten rebounds, a block, um, 
most players were like, man, that's such a good game. Zach Eady's like, eh, and it wasn't, you know, it was whatever. Like, <laughs> just where he's at. That, like, that's that's insane. Well, and I think a lot of it, too, is just, you know, what what can you take advantage of from an offensive standpoint based upon what their defense is doing? And, and like you said, I and we talked about it, like, Reed did a heck of a job while he was in there. And as soon as Reed went out, uh, then they started to feed Zach a little bit more. But But Reed was doing a really nice job pushing them out, making those shots tough, making them be six, seven footers instead of being four foot hook shots or whatever it usually is. Um, and, you know, one of the things Painter talked about in the presser was the fact that like, hey, Braden's going to have some games where he scores 20 plus for us because that's what the defense is given. And he's going to have some games where he doesn't. And is that he wants this team taking the shots that the defense gives them, right? So some of that tonight was Reed playing him well. Some of it was just what is Michigan giving Purdue and the fact that everybody else was hitting for Purdue. So why force the issue? Take the shots that are open. Make sure you hit them. That's what they did. Yeah, and and the thing that I continue to hit on, and I don't know if like it's a revelation, but it does feel different Like when it comes to Zach Eady's post-play. I'm really enjoying the way Braden Smith is figuring out how to get him the ball. You know, I mean, there's just so many times in losses or when they're, you know, in a tight game that that's the hardest part, you know, and it's one of the more underappreciated um, strengths a player has on a Purdue team over the last five, six years that I've been covering this team is guys that can get the ball in cleanly to Travion Williams and Matt Harms and Zach Eady. It just goes so underappreciated. And even with a guy as big as Zach, sometimes it's not easy to get it in there. Well, Braden's finding out all these creative ways now to get him the ball. And Zach's on the same page where they're, you know, he's getting down low, picking up the dribble and Zach's angling. Cause he's understanding what Braden's trying to do, getting his body with the defender behind him. And it's just, they're just doing such a nice job of finding different ways of Braden delivering a nice little drop off bounce pass or whatever they're going to do. Or, you know, last game, uh, against Iowa, Iowa double teamed Braden once he picked up the dribble and Braden was kind of caught for a second and he threw the alley-oop. He was like, okay, he waited, waited, waited. Then he threw him the alley-oop and it just that patience and understanding of what they're trying to do. Like it's, it's, it's really impressive to me here lately. It's versatile. They're versatile. They could, they can beat you in many ways. Braden can do his thing. Uh, Get the ball in Edie different what like and it's not just Braden too. The TK, like I said, TKR is really comfortable getting the ball to Edie. Gillis is uh Morn's great at it. Lawyers struggled a little bit as a late, but I mean for a large part of the season, I would have said he was the best post entry passer on the team. Um, you can kind of just for the most part go up and down the roster and like it's just different. It's just different this year. There's different ways to get Edie the ball. And then when he is six of thirteen and, and he is struggling, or he started over three or whatever, two for and two for seven. You have other. You have Lance Jones that can go and get you twenty four. You have Brain Smith who can just create for anybody, and then you have shooters surrounding him. And, and you know, Lawyer goes two for three from three, and and Colvin obviously hits three. And just, there's just options. It's crazy. Yep. All right, so you know we're starting to get wrap things up. I mean, you guys are past midnight there, so you know it's True. it's eleven o'clock here, Central Time Zone, the only time zone that's important on this earth. But you guys are in Eastern yeah. Time Zone, so it's past midnight. I, I don't really think there's anybody else that we have to overly highlight. I mean, Purdue wins 
you know, 99 to, you know, 67. So we've kind of combed through everything pretty nicely. Craig, uh, appreciate the updates from the press conferences. Uh, is there any final things you guys want to add before we call it a night? I know a lot of people are listening on their drive home. I'm getting some texts from different people that are. Um, I know it's super foggy out there. Everybody's giving reports about dense, dense fog. I'm, I'm worried about our guy, Joe, having to drive to Indy into that fog. But those of you listening, be safe out there. Uh, I know you can only have us on video right now, but hopefully you're only listening and not watching, keeping an eye on the road for the distance that you can see right now. So be safe. My man, Justin Inman, driving all the way back to Bedford tonight out there. Be safe on your way home, buddy. There you go. That's a, definitely a good shout out. Um, yeah, that fog can be rough um, coming home. You know, it's can't decide if it wants to be freezing cold and now we're getting back into 40s and 50s. So that creates that fog, you know, coming off the this isn't a weather show. What am I doing here? Uh, the, <laughs> the, mid, the Midwestern goodbye is upon us. Joe, anything else before we cut it loose? Uh, if Purdue shoots 67% from three, they're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Um, you know, a couple highlighted chats, Blake Widmer. Um, uh, let's oh, get I want to do, I wanted to, I highlighted this on purpose because okay. this was, yeah. this was pregame. There's also some stuff during the game in the comment section. Um, we can't like the comment. I was posting this to show that the comments do stay. Um, and that, that chat, like if, you know, if there's a place, obviously there's the boiler diehards, which is a great place to interact during the game with, with a bunch of boilers. Um, but our YouTube chat is open. It'll be a much smaller community. Uh, you know, share some thoughts during the game. Feel free to do it in the comment section. If people are, we can also have, like, we can hop in a little bit too and interact with you guys there. That's why I brought, I started that. It's a great, up. it's a great thought. It's a great thought, you know, a place for you guys to come in and, and hang out. And if you guys want to chat amongst each other while the game's going on, as you mentioned, you can also do that over at Boiler Diehards on uh, Craig's Facebook group. Uh, you know, a lot of great Boilers fans over there. But also, if you wanted to put a thought in in a singular moment, sometimes, you know, when a game is going so fast, you might forget that singular moment that was important to you, and you could throw it in there, and it's kind of bookmarked for us to follow along later. So uh, good good eye there, Joe. Uh, Brad Prather said, uh, Braden perfect from the field tonight and a double-double slump officially over shan cox tkr first gillis combined for 15 rebounds and that's what you're looking for from that four spot nobles 408 add lance to the list of 20 point games craig sounds like somebody's got to buy a jersey right um i sent him the link within two minutes after he cleared 20 uh he actually asked me for the link said he would uh Go ahead and take care of buying that himself. So he he might also get a, a Lance uh, dancing the sandstorm dance uh, T-shirt from me in the mail as well, though, just for just for good fun. I like it. And we have revealed here in the chat here tonight, Tariq Kamel came up with the nickname Dance Jones for Lance Jones. We haven't heard that yet. So uh, like you it. heard it, you heard it here first at Boilers in the Stands. Dance Jones, he will be forever known. Logan Dodson, Braden had a hand in almost every possession in the first 10 minutes. Not a ton of points, but serious presence all game. Uh, Shan Cox, all five starters have scored 24 plus points in a game this season. Uh, and uh, Jeremy Armstrong, Fletcher Lawyer is over 50% from three in Big Ten play. 
Uh, so certainly hasn't hit a wall yet as his role is a little more condensed than it was last year. And now you're starting to get the best out of Fletcher lawyer here since big 10 play has resumed here in January. And finally, Tom Bowner, congrats on 2000 subs. We talked about it earlier here in the show, 2000 subscribers on YouTube. Nice little benchmark for us here uh, at boilers in the stands. Uh, so we appreciate everybody hanging out. This all started, you know, a few years, four or five years ago as Braggs in the stands. And uh, we've done some different things and, and tried out some rebranding. So, you know, Boilers fans can understand the home they're living in here. And we appreciate all you guys uh, being a part of this uh, family that we're building, this community that we're building. It means a lot to us, your support. Uh, so, yeah, once again, hit that like button if you haven't already. Uh, that kind of stuff certainly helps us more than you realize the more likes, the more subs, the more our algorithm gets sent to people who may not be aware of what we do uh, yet. And uh, we're just going to continue to grow and find those people. So appreciate you, Tom. Appreciate everybody in the chat hanging out. Uh, that wraps things up for tonight. Uh, so we'll see you here soon. Uh, you know, we'll do our best to try to effort some interviews and some in-week shows that aren't just post-game shows, so just stay updated for those uh, those announcements as they come. So uh, for that being said, for Craig Bowers and Joe Jackson, I'm Greg Braggs Jr. This is Boilers in the Stands, and always boiler up.